0: Welcome, everyone, to The Freddie and Alyssa Show, episode 250. Thank you for allowing us to hit this milestone and supporting us along our journey and our years here. We really do appreciate that. Uh, A lot of things to catch you up on in the personal life, and I also want to touch on the actor's strike, the writer's strike, and I also want to fill you in on a little bit of what's happening in the real estate market because I've been getting a lot of data since I've been putting out a lot more real estate content on uh, TikTok uh, specifically. But even I'm starting to do a little bit on Instagram. But let's start with the personal life. I'll share some good news with you. because so We like keeping you, up, uh, keeping you up to date with what's going on. We are having a wonderful week. We have uh, three uh, properties right now or three transactions under contract that we're very, very excited about. And this whole entire industry reminds me of what it's like to be an actor. Because so many times when you're an actor, you're putting in all the work, you're doing the auditions, you're building your skill set, but you're not getting paid for the work until you book the job. And even when you book the job, it has to air and be picked up for you to really get the payday. So real estate's kind of the same, where you talk to 100 people and you end up working with 10 of them. You talk to another 100 people, you work with 11 of them. You talk to another 100 people, you work with two of them. So you just kind of have to play the numbers game just like auditioning. And the cool thing, though, just like auditioning, you might audition for a show. The casting director likes you. You don't book it. But two and a half years later, they give you a call and they say, hey, we remember you from this. You're perfect for this role. Same thing in real estate. There are many people that we've, we talked to two years ago who are now coming in back to the market and want to buy. So that's just kind of how the industry works. But when it, you know, like right now, everything just kind of happened to line up all at the same time for us. So we're very, very excited and that's just how it works. So, uh, the only difference though is in real estate, you don't have to choose. In acting, there are many times you book jobs, but you had to pick one of the jobs. Because you can't be in two places at once. In real estate, you can actually be two places at once. And especially since I have Alyssa as my partner, there's two of us. You also have a brokerage that can help you. So even if you have three deals going through, 10 deals going through, you can always have help. And if you get even too busy, which is a great problem to have, you can hire a transaction coordinator who takes care of a lot of the back end and the administration stuff. So I'm very excited uh, where we've been able to take our career because. The real estate market is very, very difficult right now for a lot of first time home buyers. But I feel the reason that we're so lucky is that we work in the Disney corridor. So we have all these vacationers coming here who are buying second homes, investment properties, and overall, Orlando is a very um, attractive place to be. People are moving to Florida, people are moving to Texas, and the cost of living is still cheaper than New York, LA, even some of my LA friends um, back in 2020 when I would send them photos of houses, what you could get for a half a million dollars in Florida was a mansion in 2020. Granted, it's now 950 or a million, but that same house in California is $4 million. So it's still incredibly affordable compared to those places here. But now Orlando has become expensive compared to middle America. Because where I grew up in Ashtabula, the average house you can get for $125, $150, $200, $250, depending on the size of the house and location. But you can definitely get a starter home in my hometown for 80 dollars to $100,000. So that's affordable for somebody. But in places like Orlando, three hundred thousand is not affordable for everybody especially places like LA where I think the minimum is eight hundred grand New York is probably a million San Francisco is probably a million Miami is probably eight hundred grand I talked to a woman the other day who's in Fort Lauderdale she doesn't want to move but she goes we can't buy a house here the prices are 850 where she can get the same house in Orlando for 450 500 so she's thinking about relocating with her family so that's just kind of what's going on in the current market so I'm trying to balance both where I am aware Of the struggles of the Millennials and first-time homebuyers and the future uh, first-time homebuyers so that we can bring awareness to what is happening in the market but also at the same time understanding that it's a great opportunity for a lot of people who want to invest in Airbnb properties because right now a lot of people aren't in the game if they don't have cash so cash buyers right now are just cleaning up so it's good for them good for real estate agents but it is not good for the pressure it's putting on first time home buyers. So there's kind of this balance. So that's what I've been talking about on TikTok a lot. I've been going through the comments, trying to answer as many questions as possible and just educate people because when I was back in, in Hollywood, there were many times that I thought about buying a house, but I was so ignorant to the whole entire home buying process and no one could tell me nothing. You know, that was kind of my attitude. And I just didn't know. I didn't know what it meant to have a lender. I didn't know what debt-to-income ratio was. I knew you probably had to have a good credit score. I didn't understand down payment. I didn't understand closing costs and taxes and if there's HOAs. I didn't understand like how much you had to make, how your tax write-offs go into that. So I was very uneducated. I didn't know anything about what it means to go under contract, what it means to put down a good faith deposit, what it means to have an inspection, what it means to go through an appraisal, what it, what, it, what it means to go to the closing table and to sign all the paperwork, to have all this stuff. Like I had no idea. So I think a lot of Americans, if you were like me just eight years ago, maybe you don't know. And if you don't know, how can you prepare for the future? So I also like bringing up, well, here's the steps you need to take so that you can go, okay, so here's what I need. Now, let me backtrack and figure out how do I get there? How much do I need to save? How much do I need to have in debt to income ratio? Okay, so maybe in the next six, 12 months, 18 months, I can get my ducks in a row. Because there's nothing more frustrating for a buyer than when you call me and you're like, I wanna buy. I just saw this beautiful house on Zillow. It says it's gonna be $2,200 a month. I'm paying $2,700 in rent. I want this house. And I go, "Well great. Well let's set you up with a lender and let's go over the numbers." Well then you set them up with the lender and all of a sudden they go, "Oh, wait a minute. I can only afford this much. Oh, I have to subtract my my uh student loans, my car payment, my three credit cards. So on paper I can only afford $1700 a month even though I'm paying 2700 in rent." I'm like, "That's how it goes." So people are learning the hard way then they feel defeated and now they have to put a plan together so I'm trying to help people say look learn it now so if you ever want to buy a house you can set yourself up for that so I would talk to a lender I would talk to a real estate agent or if you don't want to get people involved go on YouTube and watch YouTube videos and educate yourself um, it just depends on your thing but if you ever want to get into the house housing market that's what I would do and I would prepare for that So that's kind of what's going on in my world. Um, the, the, The more we get into this, the more that we're out there in the field, the more people we're meeting. It's really great. So listen, I just want to continue to have this momentum. I think I talked about this last week. I might've said it on a video. I've been doing so many videos lately. I forget who I said to what, but as you continue to succeed in something and as you continue to build competence, your confidence goes up and your passion for that career goes up. And I always liked real estate because there are so many numbers involved and people. I love people and I love numbers. So I loved it. But the more I'm starting to get good at this where I know stuff, it's amazing. And that's, what's really funny to me where, um, last thing about real estate and then I want to move to the the writer's strike. Um, I hear comments sometimes on TikTok where people say that realtors um, just get paid uh, for for doing no work. Like realtors are just a waste of, of money. And uh, I, I make a joke about that because realtors, in some cases, there's been deals, Alyssa and I have done, maybe one or two, that were so easy and so smooth that when the day comes and you get paid, you kind of go, is this like the best job ever? Because this was not that difficult, but it's the same thing. When you go, how I booked like a pet smart commercial. I remember one of my first PetSmart pet smart commercials. Um, I went in and they're like, okay, just smile. And I'd smile. And they're like, can you just pick up this bag of dog food and set it on the chair? They're like, okay, thank you. And I left. I was like, that's weird. Get a call the next day. Hey, you booked it. Can you be here tomorrow? at the PetSmart in whatever city it was? And I go, sure. Showed up at eight in the morning. They filmed the whole commercial without me. I was just the PetSmart employee at the end of the commercial when the PetSmart comes up where I'm putting a bag of dog food in the back of an SUV from afar. And that's the end of the commercial. I worked for three hours and that commercial ran six different times and I made $36,000 when I was like 24 years old. And it took me four hours total one audition, one shoot day, maybe a a fitting day too, but a total of like six hours paid me that much money. But what you don't see is the 500 auditions where I did all that work, all that driving, all those hours, all that, and never got paid. But you were building the skill. So there are times as a realtor that just happens. It goes so well and so easy that you really do feel like, wow, this is amazing. But what being a real estate agent really is, and I feel like I can share this now, because what I thought, just like everyone else, because of all these television shows, that someone calls you and you go, hey, Greg, what's going on? You want a house? Come on, let me take you. Here's this, here's this. I want this one. Great. Then it shows me driving around the city having coffee with my friends and then you've cut to three weeks later and you're popping champagne and they're like, thank you so much. And then you see how the new family and Greg has decorated the house. And at the bottom it says, Freddie made $62,000. That is not being a real estate agent. That is the absolute highlights of the process that is for entertainment. But what real estate really is, is that you are first and foremost a marketer in a salesperson because your main business is having to market yourself and your business to the world. So you can attract clients who want to work with you. And how do you do that? By being professional, by being competent, by being friendly, by being genuine. And that's a big part of it. So a lot of realtors time is spent marketing to attract leads to work with clients. But like I said earlier, with 100 people you talk to, you might work with 20 of them. And then what happens is when you go and look at houses, that's the fun part. You bring people around in houses, but you have to know how to do the contracts. You have to know the law. You have to know if someone's getting a good deal. You have to do everything perfect so that these parties are both happy. But here's something I didn't expect. What you're basically also doing as a real estate agent is you're managing the expectations of people who are engaging in an emotional transaction most of the time. So an experienced investor just wants to see the numbers, put their money somewhere, and they don't care. Very black and white, There's no. There's, it's just very simple. But that's just the small investor portion. A primary homeowner, for most people, this is their most expensive purchase in their life. They've never written a check for this much money. So they're already a little bit like, okay, like this is a big deal. Like it needs to be good. I'm spending all my money. This is going to, you know, so some people are like, okay, I'm trusting you, Freddie, like help me through this. So they're emotional. And people are also in situations. Why are people buying homes? A lot of people are buying because they're moving to Orlando. Moving from another state to a new state is a stressful, emotional time getting a new job is a stressful emotional time being fired and having to sell your dream home and downgrade to another home is an emotional time. Having someone who just got divorced and selling their home is an emotional time. Somebody whose parent died selling their home is an emotional time. So the people involved on both sides of the transaction can be emotional and there's a lot at stake. So real estate agents and everyone else involved is managing the expectations and emotions of all these people who are, going through this transaction. And I know people like to think, well, why am I going to give so much money to a real estate agent? If you could walk to a farmer's market and talk to a farmer or someone who grows an apple tree and buy an apple for a dollar, that seems like you could just knock on the door and say, hey, can I buy this house? the amount of paperwork that goes into the, transic- the transaction of a house from ha- making sure the earnest money deposit is correct, making sure that there's no liens on the property, working through a title company, filling out all the contracts, HOA disclosures. The admin work is like its own other business. So what you see on TV is like the flashy tour guide sales person part of the business. But then there's a lot of back-end um, admin work and so all of that is happening then you have things like inspections and inspections are there to protect the buyer because if you see a house go this is great you want to hire an inspector to look under the hood and go hey I don't know this house kind of looks like a lemon or they go hey this house is great you just have a light switch broken this window doesn't open you know we can get those fixed so you have to go back and forth between the parties you have to continue the negotiation and even us as middle people sometimes it's tense. So I can't even imagine someone who doesn't know the laws, the rules, doesn't know, have any experience, would ever negotiate with another human being during, it would be an absolute disaster. So those are the things that people overlook, but they don't know what it's like to be a real estate agent. Just like I probably don't know what the in and out of your job is. You only see what people show you. So I kind of make a joke about that online, where I'm like, look, the realtors do have to admit, every now and then we get a deal that's so damn easy that you kind of feel overpaid, but then you end up working with a hundred people and you're putting in 40 hours a week and they don't end up paying off. So you're working for free. And other times the deals you're working 12 hour days, you're running all over the place to make sure the deal happens to make sure that both parties are happy. And it is a lot of work. So I believe realtors are paid accordingly. And, uh, at the end of the day, you do have to learn a lot. You do have to pass the test. You do have to stay up on all the state exams and all the knowledge. And you have to continue to grow as a person. And you have to continue to stay knowledgeable so that people want to work with you. Because you can learn everything you want about real estate. But if you never get a client and never sell a house, you don't get paid. Same thing in acting. You can be the best actor in the world. If you don't get an, uh, if you don't get an agent, an audition, and book a show, you're not going to get paid. So it's like that in many, many industries. So you just got to get out there. You got to do it. But I'm learning a lot. I really feel like I'm coming into my own with it. And I'm just really, really pumped to see where I can take this uh, moving forward, especially with Alyssa by my side, because God bless her, she is super woman. She is like carrying so many things right now and crushing them all. So I feel very grateful to have her in my corner. Um, But this is a good good segue to the actor's strike. You just see my notes here from all my TikTok videos. I'm like writing down all these numbers. Today's sponsor is Easy Canvas Prints. Elevate your home or office decor with Easy Canvas Prints. Look at this, look at this couple here. On our, on our wedding day, 2020, December 31st, 2020, uh, when I married the love of my life, we wanted this memory to have in our home. We were debating on putting it in the podcast studio. It kind of goes with the color scheme, or we might have it in the living room, but we're still kind of deciding where we would like it. But Easy Canvas Prints, it's awesome. You just upload anything you want from your camera roll. You can make it custom, wood frame, metallic frame. It's great for gifts, for memories, anniversary. Uh, But yeah, you can send it as a gift. So all you have to do is visit the website. So don't wait to elevate your home or office decor with custom canvas print today. Visit easycanvasprints.com slash F&A for a special offer for our listeners. Get unlimited 16 by 20 canvas prints for only $19.99 each. Again, that's easycanvasprints.com dot com slash F and a now back to the show the actor strike so I want to touch on this I I can only speak on the personal side a little bit because I was obviously on a soap opera but I was on 902 and 0 in medium and I still get residuals from that but what's what I want to talk on because I don't know the big scope of it but just a few thoughts Um, I think the writers and actor strike is very necessary right now Um, first of all the fact that the streaming services do not pay residual income like they should, they might pay some, but not what they should. So it makes me wonder, it's like, so they're making all this money and they're putting something like the office on a Netflix or on HBO max or where it's it's ever at. And they're not paying residual income has got to be painstaking. Like I haven't gone through that because 90210 or days of our lives has not been put on. Well, it has been put on Peacock, And I bet you we're not going to get paid for that. I don't know. I should really look into that because if they have old episodes on Peacock, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't think they're going to pay if it's on Peacock. But if they were to have it on like NBC at a different time, we'd be getting boatloads of money. So the residual thing needs to be fixed with the streaming service 100%. Um, The other thing is the actual um, like day rate. The day rate or the minimum, the SAG base. When I was in twenty in two thousand eight, when if you booked a guest star, like if I booked CSI New York, you would get seventy five hundred bucks if you were the guest star, and if you ended up getting two day two guest star spots, you might get seventy five hundred for each of the days, and each of them take about a week to film. So in your mind, you're like Freddie, seventy five hundred dollars a week. You're complaining about $7,500 a week. Well, again, you're not getting $7,500 every week. The average actor books three to five guest stars a year. So they work like three to five weeks a year. But if you're lucky enough to work more, but let's just say you book that one spot, you get 7,500 bucks. Your manager's 10%, your agent's 10%. You're paying probably at least 30% in taxes. um, And then everything you spend is another 9.25% in state uh, California tax. So realistically, what is that? 50, 60% of your money's gone. So you get 40% of that. So let's just even say half, $3,500 maybe. So you're getting $3,500 for the week, which sounds amazing. But then if you don't work the rest of the month, that's $3,500. However, in 2008, myself, all my fellow friends and actors were splitting apartments that were $1,200 a month, $1,400 a month. So we were spending $600 a piece only for rent. Um, our car payment was 100 bucks. Our cell phone was cheap. I mean, we had no bills. We could, we could live, like, I think my monthly bills were $1,600 a month the first four years I lived in LA. So if I booked a guest star or these commercials like Taco Bell, I made like 17 grand. That set me up for, when, when I quit my serving job, I think I had $35,000 in my savings account. And I remember I had 18 months of money. So I said, as long as I keep booking, over the next 18 months I will never run out of money and I can be a full-time actor and it ended up thank god happening 6 months later I booked Now 2 and 0 5 months later I booked Days and the rest was history but in today's world if you book a guest spot for 7500 um you still walk away with your 3500 bucks but there ain't nobody living in LA for under 4000 a month because even the apartment me and Alyssa lived in was a 2 bed 2 bath before we moved 2 bed 2 bath for with pet rent, I think was $3,000, zero amenities, no hot tub, no pool, no gym, nothing, just two bedrooms. When I look that up now, I think it's going for 3,800. So even if me, if I was 22 and me and a buddy from Ohio were like, let's move out there. We would have to be spending at least $1,800 a piece just on rent, not including utilities, not including a car. Like they have to be spending $4,000. So what used to last you three months or yeah, three months back then is only lasting an actor one month now. So that needs to change. But the big one for me that also pertains to all of you is the use of AI. So we got to get comfortable now speaking about things like artificial intelligence, blockchain, and even NFTs. I know NFTs went away. They will be back. Um, the blockchain will be back. We will be talking about the blockchain and AI and NFTs by 2025 or 2030, like we are the internet and, and, and AI goggles and everything like that. But when it comes to the writers, I've been playing with ChatGPT. If you don't know what that is, I would Google ChatGPT and play with it. It will blow your mind. It's like magic. I don't know how else to describe it. I don't even know if I can fathom how it does it. You can ask ChatGPT to write you anything. You can ask it to write back to a work email. You can ask it to break up with your girlfriend. You can ask it to write a press release for your uh, new restaurant. You can ask it to write a country song. And when it pertains to movies, I did one for my mom as an example. She loves Hallmark movies. All I did in ChatGPT is I said, can you write me a movie synopsis about... And I'll use this as an example because I made a video earlier. I forget what I did for my mom, but you could fill in the blanks. Could you write me a Hallmark movie about a New York baseball star who visits a small town, falls in love with a girl who owns a coffee shop. She works at a, she has a hobby at a pet shelter and she also takes care of her grandmother. That's all you say in four seconds, not four minutes, not an hour, in four seconds. It will produce it faster than you can read. Two, three pages of a fully described movie with names, with quirks, with the story arcs, with the pet's names, what happened to grandma. The entire movie is created instantly. So if you wanted to write a poem. And I wanted to write one for Alyssa. I could say, can you write my wife a poem for our, it's going to be our third year anniversary on New Year's Eve, or on, yeah, New Year's Eve, our third year anniversary. We have a dog, Benji. I'm so proud of her with all the work she's been doing. I, I love how I can be myself around her. She's so funny, smart, and beautiful. And I'm so happy for the life that we're building. It will write it instantaneously in the most beautiful format ever. So no matter what you ask it to do, it can do it for you. I would suggest playing with it. It'll literally blow your mind. So the question becomes, what do the writers do if AI can just write everything? And you think, oh, well, the computer can't be that good. I even challenged it and said, can you write me a funny Instagram caption where I'm riding an elephant um, wearing a sombrero? it would give you seven hilarious comments or or Instagram captions that are just like, are you kidding me? The most clever, funny, instantly. So I'm like, so you can do the most bizarre thing. Say, can can, can you make me a caption of me skydiving, wearing pajamas while eating a banana and make that funny? Instantaneously, no matter what you create. So the reason I bring this up is that AI will disrupt everyone's industry, everybody's, all, all of us, instead of trying to fight it where we just try to get rid of it, that's just never really ever happened. I think if we focus our energy, how do we work with it? So if writers can be paid more money but can also utilize this tool to write faster, to come up with ideas, to brainstorm and implement it together, that could be a good use. So for writers it's very cut and dry. How do they not be replaced completely by machines? The other part of it, if you haven't watched this Black Mirror episode, I suggest you do it on the new season. They're going to explain it in detail. The AI tool is now getting so good. Uh, An example, I don't think this was AI, but CGI did this, but AI is going to do it faster and better. What was the Will Smith movie? I think it was called Gemini or something like that. Gemini Man where he played his 55-year-old self or however old he is, and then they generated his young face on the other character who was 22. They did it for, I think, uh, Robert De Niro in a recent film or someone in a Scorsese movie. Uh, And even on TikTok and even online, I'm seeing, like, I could be like this. I'm actually dressed in a button-down. But if I had a T-shirt on, I could say, could you um, make me a photo for my LinkedIn profile? And it'll scan me and it'll put me in different suits, different hairstyles, and it'll position me perfectly where I don't even need to use a photographer. And it looks real. You could never tell. So they're going to implement that with actors. So imagine if I just said, you know what? You have enough data through my podcast, through me playing Sonny, through everything that the data could gather. I don't know if they'd ever let that happen in whatever way that would work leg- legally, but I'm just saying. Or I could go in and say, hi, I'm Freddie. Um, scan my body, AI, here's my licensing fee, use me as an actor. I'm not as, I'm a micro celebrity, but let's use a better example. Leonardo DiCaprio. Leo goes in, gets scanned, signs off, never has to show up and do anything again. The AI will generate all the movies with Leonardo DiCaprio in it, and it'll get so realistic that we're just going to sit there and enjoy a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. And you're like, what? That is crazy. How could that ever happen? Watch the Black Mirror episode. The other thing to take it a step further, and if you don't believe me, we're already doing it on TikTok. If you start watching puppies, what do you see? Puppies. If you start liking pies, baking videos, what do you see? Baking videos. If you're in the mood to look at politics, what do you see? Politics. The algorithm knows your interest. The algorithm knows your interest so much, that's why ads are fed to you. They know what you consume online. So if I have a coffee company and I want to run ads, they will know, the algorithm will know, what group of people are more likely to like coffee because of all of your history on the internet. So what does that mean in the future for movies? What that means in the future for movies is that, who's your favorite actor? Think of your favorite actor right now. One of mine is Denzel Washington. If I see Denzel or Matt Damon, um... I like a lot of people, but let me just use those two as an example. Matt Damon, Denzel Washington, Mark Wahlberg. I don't care what the movie's about. I don't care. I don't need to see the trailer. I I don't need to know anything about it. Mark Wahlberg's new movie, I'm watching it. Imagine if the algorithm on Netflix and HBO Max and Peacock and all this in the future links up with AI and they can generate every single movie and television show to curate it to me. So that if the new Iron Man comes out, which I didn't watch the last one because I'm just i not a fan, but all of a sudden, the new Iron Man, it's Mark Wahlberg as Iron Man. But I'm only seeing the Iron Man with Mark Wahlberg. You're watching Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. Your friend's watching Iron Man as Denzel Washington. Your other friend's watching Iron Man as Ryan Reynolds. So now we're sitting there watching only the favorite actors and actresses that we like. It can curate things in real time. And I, and it's still hard for my head to wrap around like how magical that is. But if you ever just Google something, how do I make Apple pie? And you look at Google, it'll say it just searched 1.3 million sites in one second. If I had to go in and get 1.3 million articles on Apple pie, it would take me a lifetime and Google does it in one second. So if it takes me as a filmmaker three years to make a movie, why can't AI make one in 30 seconds? So those are things we have to, I mean, I guess look forward to. I mean, in the sense that I'm just excited for the tech, but I'm not excited for everyone to lose their jobs. But they already talk about the trucking companies. They're already talking about the taxi drivers. They're already talking about all this stuff. So what do we do? I think for me, I'm just trying to stay ahead of the ball. And I think this is why, again, to bring this back to a conversation I had earlier or maybe on last week or maybe just a video I did about the millennial and boomer generation kind of button heads. There was never a time in our parents' generation when they were working their job that they said, oh, there's robots and driving cars are gonna take everything away from us when we're 42 years old. It was like, no, we're gonna make it till 60, 65, we're gonna retire, our 401Ks, our pension, our social security, and like we're gonna be good. So it's like, you kids are just, you're, you're crazy. You can't find your passions, you're jumping from one thing to the next. Like Just find something, get good at it, and it's gonna be fine. We see the writing on the wall. Like here I am talking about how passionate about real estate, real estate agents might be gone in 10 years. I don't know. Um, But I'm not, I'm not sad about it. I would look at this like I did acting where it's like I had a really cool 10, well, 10 years on days almost, but like 15 year experience as an actor in Hollywood. That was a cool 15 years of my life. If I'm a real estate agent for 10 years and then blockchain and AI and something else happens that it goes away, I will have learned a lot, met a lot of people, probably started other things in the meantime. So then by next 10 years might be uh, whatever it is. So our generation, I think, is just going to have to hop around and follow the trends and stay ahead of it um, to make a living. You know, I just don't know if anything's going to be forever secure. And uh, I know it can sound scary. And I try to tell myself just, Stay ahead of it, get your bills low, take care of your debts, live below your means, save up money, make good investments, because if things start coming, I don't want to rely just on one income. That's why me and Alyssa have about like four or five things that we do. And we're utilizing all of it to set ourselves up for the future from all of the things we learned from all the mistakes we made in our 20s. So we're trying to set ourselves up these next five years we're being very frugal. We're doing everything we're supposed to be doing because we want to really try to, you know, the next five years, there's a lot of amazing things we could do where our forties could be just, you know, pretty and awesome. So that's how we're looking at it and just trying to set ourselves up so that we're not relying just on real estate. What, what do we do in 10 years if that's all we knew or just acting? What if it goes away? What do we do? I think the newer generations have to have a few things going. We have to start putting in time to learning about investing and trying to find things that we enjoy that can also pay us money because we have the internet. So these are just thoughts that are popping into my head right now. I know I got a little philosophical. Was I philosophical? I don't know. I'm just sharing things that are coming to mind and that I've been reading about and studying for a long time and just trying to make you all aware of it um, as clear as possible. And, um, we'll just have to see what kind of industry, um, gets affected next by AI. So I hope they come to a resolution with the writer strike and the actor strike so that everyone can get back to work. Um, again, just like how people don't know what realtors do. Uh, a lot of people don't know what makes up a movie, like how many people really, really make a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, thousands, thousands, thousands of people, are involved in making a movie and all you see is Denzel Washington and Emily Blunt not realizing they're two of 2,000 people and the other people aren't making millions they're making 50 60 100 200 thousand dollars a year in one of the most expensive states in the country and it's not all the time you work on a movie you get some money I see it time and time again I have a lot of buddies who make so much money they'll do two seasons of a show collect four or 500 grand after paying everybody out. They're still set. They're sitting pretty, but they've got to book within 18 months again, or then what? And I've been there many times in my life. I call it the runway. I got 18 months of a runway. I got nine months. I got six months. Oh, back up to 12 months, eh, down to three months. Oh, back up to eight months. It's a really crazy way to live. Um, but that's what it is. So is there a way to help actors get paid more. And and I think that's just what every industry is talking about. What, what, What do people do to get paid more money to live and enjoy life? So I think all I can think of is the more educated we are, the better off we are. People can argue the work hard, work smart, work harder stuff, save more, do this. That's all up to the absolute individual. But I think no matter where you are, educating yourself is the best thing we can do. So um, so that's it. But anyway, I, uh, I really appreciate you all for hanging out with me today on episode 250. Uh, I think we're gonna come back for one more episode next week. Then we're gonna take a small little hiatus uh, for the rest of the summer and then we'll be back with another season. But I'm gonna do my best to start posting more on Instagram again. If you wanna check up on me more often, a bunch of the real estate stuff that I'm doing, is all over on TikTok if you want to check that out. But um, uh, anyway, I appreciate you all so much. And we will be back here next Wednesday. So take care, everyone. Appreciate you.